Hi, I'm Hamish, and this is the Line in the Sand podcast, where Amos and I talk everything Aussie rules football with a particular focus on the Essendon and Hawthorne football clubs. We're recording early this week. It's Sunday night here in Melbourne. I'm up and about just having seen the flag dons uh, stamp their authority on the AFL women's team with a massive win over the Eagles over in Perth. How are you this evening, Amos? Shell shocked. Uh, safe to say it's uh, Spoon Hawks. Yes, I've seen a Spoon Hawks. <laughs> AFL women's mm. for the Hawks. They copped a belting today against Richmond. Uh, However, uh, there are a couple of reasons, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll go through that uh, later on. But uh, yes, yes, we'll talk. We will talk about both those games a bit later. I wanted to start off uh, with we won't we won't look at the games just yet. We'll get to all the men's and women's games a bit later on. But I want to start talking about. There's a lot of trade news, signing news, um, things going on. Uh, it seems there's trouble at in paradise over at the Dockers. You know, they've just been bundled out and now half their superstar players want to leave. Yeah, this is true, but I think uh, it's not a shock, especially mm-hmm. if uh, most of them realise they're probably going to miss out on a fair slice of the pie if Luke Jackson does as we all expect and yep. uh, nominates the Dockers this week. It's been kind of fortuitous that Melbourne mm-hmm. and Fremantle are knocked out this week because uh, uh, the media will can get turning at pace on this particular one and um, don't have to wait for the protocols of the team to finish the year to yeah. get it started. So um, watch this space, I think. Yeah. Um, the Lob's the interesting one. Now uh, I think they're talking about him ending up with the Bulldogs, but I was seeing some commentary today, potentially um, Essendon's um, going to try and throw their hat in the ring and um, get him in as a um, backup Ruckman there, which um, creates its own, um, level of interest there for me when Essendon has um, a young guy, um, you know, Nick Bryan has been a superstar of the VFL team this year. I, there's some weeks where he's had 44 hit outs or more and um, can't get a look in um, because uh, Draper's there and the obvious number one. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that's um, a massive story. I think that might be a couple of journalists and online um, commentators yeah. um, speculating it there. It would seem a, a bit silly to bring someone else in uh, when you've got a young guy coming through that has played AFL games and has shown that he can be competitive there um, potentially as the backup for Draper. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they all end up. I think um, Logue is the um, Griffin Logue's probably the only obvious one. It seems that everyone agrees he's going to end up at North Melbourne, but the other ones it could be interesting to see where they all end up. Yeah, agreed. Disappointing. I would like to see him in uh, the brown and gold Griffin Logue. But uh, mm. anyway, such is such is life. But um, I think, uh, well, I mean, Lob at Essendon is not the worst idea. I mean, can Nick mm. Bryan go forward and kick goals like we know Lob can? Maybe. Oh, maybe I mean, he um, he was doing that in the VFL. Like it, they tried that a bit in the um, when they in the few games he played in the AFL, and you yeah. know, yes, he wasn't as competitive in the AFL as he was at the VFL. But part of that is he's a 24-year-old kid that's still got to put a bit of weight on. And, um, you know, we've seen in recent years that it's taking the Ruckman a bit longer to mature. So mm. I just think that um, it's a massive risk to a kid like that to say, oh, we're, we're pushing you further back down the line. And then it encourages him to seek opportunities elsewhere. And whilst it... Um, hasn't become the loud beating drums yet. It certainly is a, um, it has been speculated about, and it is a possibility that if the right offer comes for him, he may ask to be traded out and um, look for those opportunities, given that um, 
you know, there's also Phillips and even two meter Peter at Essendon that um, are getting games above him that can also um, play in the ruck as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, the problem, isn't it? He's already starved of opportunities, hmm. uh, proving himself in the level below. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, Lobb nominally has been, the Bulldogs have been the main hmm. um, protagonists uh, rumoured for his services. So, uh, and that kind of makes sense because Stefan Martin's you know, 36 or something yeah. now and probably not going to go on. Um, so partnering with English and, and sitting up forward while Darcy and Hugo Hagen and that sort of mature physically uh, isn't going to be the worst thing there. It's probably the same situation at the at the Bombers. Uh, wouldn't be a bad idea sitting next to Peter Wright, pinch hit in the ruck, mm. especially in the combination with Harry Jones. Um, but it does mean that a club like GWS or uh, North Melbourne potentially, um, I know North Melbourne have re-signed Goldstein for another year, but he's surely not going to be going on for more than one or two. Um, and with Tristan Zeri you know, suffering a little bit because of Goldstein's preferred one-out ruck method, mm. um, yeah, but they will need someone to cover when he does leave. So, um there's an option there and also the Saints yeah. uh, potentially with Ryder uh, not going on anymore. Um, you know, could land there too if, they, if the right deal came through. So who yeah. knows? The merry-go-round is in full swing and we haven't even talked about Grundy. So Yes. yes <laughs> um, uh, well, do you think he's going anywhere or do you think he stays um, where he is given the way Collingwood's playing at the moment and how, he's, how he fits in there? Look, given the number of players that are reportedly wanting to get to Collingwood, uh, the only way it can happen is if he moves. Mm. So if he doesn't move, uh, the rocks in the wall stay put. Yeah. But if he does move, watch the avalanche of movement go ahead. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, his talks obviously have been going to Melbourne. Um, I don't know. Like, with Melbourne, with him and Gorn, I think that's too much to be, to be brutally honest. I don't think it's... Uh, worth their while but uh anyway um but it does, then, it, then... does it solve their problem if he went did go to melbourne um you know they they'd both spend a lot of time on the field obviously but does it solve yeah. their problem of having someone taller down forward given that they have had the issue of um you know basically relying on someone as like Bailey Fritch playing as their key forward. And, you know, he's yeah. done really well, but he's not a key forward. He's oh, um, God, no. a small no forward playing like a key forward. Yeah, exactly. He's the 2020s version of, say, Jack Gunston of 10 years ago. Hmm. Um, so, you know, my, my biggest thing for Melbourne is I can't believe that he picked Tom McDonald when he, as soon as he became fit to play. Yeah. Hmm. Um, because amazingly, two years ago, he was on the chopping block and yet we saw last year in their premiership year end while they were playing well, this year, up to round 11, yeah. when he got injured, uh, he was their linchpin up forward. Um, mm. And I think that really, that injury to him really upset their balance. Yeah. Um, if Jackson leaves, like, I just can't see why Brundy would, Grundy would go to, to Melbourne. Like, I don't see, because he's not a natural forward. Gordon's no. not a natural forward. Uh, they both want to play. or you know, They both the want to be the main ruckman, and you can't have two main ruckmen. Correct. So, you know, it's Max of uh, Braden Proust going from North Melbourne under Goldstein to Melbourne under Gorn. Like, why yeah. would you do that? Hmm. Um, so, I mean, obviously he's now at GWS, but you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but having said that, um, and we'll get to it later in when we talk about the games, you know, maybe mm. Collingwood, like Collingwood has matched up in some ways much better with Grundy out of the side than they have with him in the side. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they, they've done bloody well without him. Let's be yeah. honest. No, if mm. someone had said to you, uh, you know, Collingwood coming from 17th, Grundy will go down with a season ending injury round five or six or whatever mm. it was. Mm. Um, what do you think? Can you be like, yeah, lock them in for, 17th or 18th again. Yeah. I, I want to, I was going to discuss it later when we got to the game, but I, I'll bring it up now just because you mentioned it. Um, I think last year was an anomaly for Collingwood, given that the year before they um, made a preliminary final and the year before that it was a semi final. So it's hardly like they had, it's hardly like they've been down in the doldrums for a long time. It was one season mm. where they, um, you know, sort of fell off the perch. It's, um, I don't think it's particularly, um, I don't think it's, the fairy tale that people have sort of given. I think it was just one off season with the turmoil happening off the field. And, and, you know, they clear on, um, maybe, maybe this is just me giving myself hope for Essendon, you know, they've cleared <laughs> out the board, they've cleared out the coach and suddenly they've turned it around very quickly with, um, without a lot of that sort of off field controversy and stuff um, having an impact on the players. Yeah. I think the thing with Collingwood, and I kind of tend to agree with you. I'm just, uh, checking uh, where they finished in 2020 because 2019 they played in the prelim against um, GWS and got knocked mm. off by a couple of points. They made they a sem- they, they did they made a semi in 2020. That's I right. did check they, that before we got there. Yeah, game. that's right because they knocked out uh, West Coast. They, they went over to West Coast and won yeah. by a point. And, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. And then came back here and um, well, wherever they played in 2020, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I mean, look, they yeah. just they, they just snuck into the eight in... Um, that's right. 2020, yeah, but half um, a game over the demons, mm, would you yeah. believe? Um, yes, I, I tend to think you're right because I mean, obviously, 2018 losing grand finalists, uh, 2019 pre uh, prelim, 2020 semi, 21, as you said, there was all that issues going on, on and off the field. Bucks was probably coming to the end of his time given the way they were playing, mm. yeah, very stagnant, all that sort of stuff. Um, and he'd been there for, what, 10 years yeah. roughly by that mm. stage. I think 2012 he took over. So yeah. um, that's long enough in anyone's language, except Kevin Sheedy and Al Clarkson of recent times. Yeah. Um, maybe Kenny Hinckley's up there at the moment. But um, and Chris Scott, I suppose, I'm half the coach in the AFL now that I mention them all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so he... Um, and then the injection of a, a Dacos who's just been unbelievable. Mm. And Josh Dacos coming on in leaps and bounds as well um, compared to where he was probably last year. Um, and the growth with some of the young kids. The one thing I do worry about with Collingwood for next year, and you know, they won so many close games. Um, either they're going to become super good next year and win by 40 points every week instead of seven. Yeah or they're going to lose that fair share of close games, and that would probably tip them out of the eight. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the standard rule of 50-50 or 60-40 applies, you know, between, for your you know, two goal or less games. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's not... It's, it, last year was the anomaly of going off the last five to six years. Oh, look, I don't get me wrong. I still think they've exceeded expectations to be where they are in a preliminary final now. But I don't yeah. think, I also don't think they were the 17th 
best side last year. I just think that um, they had a shocking year and they proved that it was the anomaly by um, winning the games this year that they perhaps didn't last year and um, finishing where they have. Yeah, and change of attitude, change yeah. of mindset, all yeah. that stuff. You can see some yeah. of the guys who have been around under Bucks for a long time. Just, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, last year that was so slow and stagnant. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway. I, I do wonder, though, before we move on to some other teams, I do wonder, though, whether they regret um, taking the Dugowie contract off the table mid-season, given that, um, <laughs> if you believe the speculation today, the four-year offer is back on the table, potentially for more money than the original contract was going to be, given how he has played in um, the last few weeks and what he has meant for that team. Oh, look, there's no doubt he's played some great footy hmm. um, in the last couple of weeks. I, last night watching the game, there was a kick that he made. I think he got a free kick or a mark about 60, 60 out from goal directly in front. Mm-hmm. And then he's just put in a, an absolute bullet, which has hit the Collingwood player leading out of the square about 15 to yeah. 20 out. Players all around, but there was only one person who was going to mark it. The female defence had no chance. It was oh, one of them. Yeah. A great kick. Uh, and he can do that kind of stuff from yeah. anywhere. So, yeah. Um, all right, I think you're right. I think that might cost them a couple of hundred K a year extra, but hey, if it wins them a flag this year. If it wins them a flag this year and it keeps them up there in future years, absolutely. Um, Worth every cent. Yeah. Uh, Geelong seems to still have their eye on a couple of GWS plays. It's just not the original ones that they were looking at. (laughs) Now they seem to be going um, for Tanner Brune and um, uh, Ollie Henry instead of um, Taranto and Hopper. It looks like that's... Um, yeah, they've so, still got a couple there that they want to add to their midfield for um, to bring some youth into an aging team. Yeah, well, I think we talked about it. Well, we've talked about Tanner Brun a few times, mm. and the uh, the look on his face at draft night suggested. Yeah, um, he wasn't going to be in Sydney for long. No. <laughs> That's mm. right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, look, if you're, I think he's drafted top ten, yeah, top twelve maybe. Uh, so if you're any Victorian club and he fits the bill of what you're looking for, why wouldn't you have a crack at him? Mm. Um, Ollie Henry from Collingwood match up with his brother down at Geelong. That's not the worst thing. Um, that could unlock a couple of deals, you know, three-way trades and things like that potentially yep. as well if that happens. So, um, yeah. Um, look, it wouldn't be the worst thing for yeah. the Cats because, um, I mean, you think of players like Gary Rowan, who's now been around for 10 or 12 years. So he's rising 30, which I know is spring chicken in Geelong terms. But, uh, um yeah, I just uh, proven he can play. Certainly kick big goals in crunch times a couple of times this year as well. So um, would not be a bad pickup at all if the Cats got him. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't mind him at Hawthorne. I have heard that Hawthorne are into him as well. So that might unlock a Mitchell deal if Mitchell were to yep. go to Collingwood. Might unlock a Mitchell-Grundy-Henry deal, although we'd probably have to give up 18 draft picks at the same time. <laughs> so it probably won't happen. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, you never know. So there are smarter minds than mine who work mm. out these things. So, yeah. yeah. The Tigers have um, they've signed a couple of oldies on much smaller contracts than previously and look like they're um, going to give themselves a chance at a premiership tilt with um, yeah. Hopper and Taranto both naming the Tigers at this stage is where they want to end up or, is, or that that's how it appears anyway. Yeah, I sent I think a message to you and a couple of other people uh, when that news came out suggesting that uh, Richmond are going down the Hawthorne path of, sort of 2016, 2017, um, keeping a couple of their premiership stars on the books, but going after gun mids to try and maintain the rage. Um, Mm. 
Unfortunately, it didn't work at Hawthorne with Mitchell and O'Meara, you know, both playing pretty well and yeah. uh, doing well for us. But um, And Wingard, I guess you could put in that category as well. Uh, but the team not firing around them. And mm. I fear the same for Richmond because I think those great teams that they had, um, when you're at the top, you've got to give up depth players. Yeah. Uh, Richmond have had to do that. And, um, you know, um, those depth players really come back to bite you when you're looking to have another tilt because all of a sudden the players who were third or fourth in line are not quite the ones that were second in line. So, yeah. Um, and that's what Hawthorne suffered. And to me, Richmond seemed to be heading down a similar path. Yeah, it's uh, I I um, you know as I messaged you back, I'm like, are they doing a Geelong, and is is that what's going to happen there? But I think um, the difference between Richmond and Geelong is Geelong seem to have another selling point, and that's the lifestyle of living down the coast. So they don't necessarily, I don't think they necessarily have to pay no. players quite as highly as um, a city based club would, yeah. and um, there's other uh, things to appeal for them there. Um, yeah. It's almost a Hobart to- tax. Yeah, it's not. It's not to say it couldn't work, but I think um, yeah, there's um, very much top heavy at um, Richmond, and I don't think the depth's quite the same as at Geelong, where if one comes out, they can um, put in someone that's yes at a slightly lower level, but perhaps more competitive than yeah. Richmond's next tier down if they get a few injuries going on. Yeah, correct. And I think um, yeah, if I'm GWS, knowing that Richmond are offered both of those guys seventy deals, you're like, well, mm-hmm. you're obviously keen for them. Yeah. So we want, uh, yeah, let's start off with four or five first round picks. Yeah. And so we don't care get... where you get those first round picks from, but um, go and that's, find them for what, us. So whether they're this year from other clubs or whether they're um, yep. future picks, uh, you know, you, you want them, come and come and get them. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're proving by the, the year, the length of tenure that you're, mm-hmm. you're desperate for them. So, um, yep, cough up. Yeah. Um, the Hawks uh, made an, an, a couple of announcements while we were recording the last episode of the podcast. Yeah, a couple of big announcements. Um, I'll get to the biggest one at the end, but uh, Harry Morrison signed on for another couple of years, which is a reward for a pretty consistent year this year. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people would have been wondering uh, if he was up for the chop uh, if he didn't perform this year, but he's had a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Brewster signed on. Uh, he was already contracted for next year, but he's signed on to the end of 2024, which is uh, really good news for the club. I think that'll mean he stays a one-club player. Um, it would have been a pretty tough wrench to see him donning another club's colours, to be mm-hmm. honest, because I'm not sure I've seen a, a smarter footballer around goals for a long yeah. time. I mean, we've got, uh, just from Hawthorne lens, you know, Cyril Riolis and, uh, and a couple of others. But, um, yeah, and Cyril was one out of the box, let's be honest. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Luke Bruce just continually delivers year mm. and year. Another 40-goal season this year. Um, he's 20 away from 500 yeah. at the club. Uh, another two seasons, we'll see him, uh, you know, if he stays injury-free, uh, knocking on the door of 300 games. Uh, so it's been an amazing career yeah. for someone who has picked 47 in the rookie draft, I think. so. Yeah, it'll also um, make him 35 and... Um... Yeah. You know that, that there might be a couple of years left at uh, Hawthorne at thirty-five, but it's unlikely that he's going to get picked up by another club at that age. Yeah. So I think you're right there. There'll be a one club player now, which is yeah. um, good for him and good mm. for the Hawthorne Football Club. Like you said, given where he was originally picked up, that's it. Uh, but the biggest announcement uh, at Hawthorne is that uh, Damien Monkhurst is leaving after thirteen years. So oh, there'll, no. be a, there'll be a fair bit of room on the bench uh, after this practice. <laughs> so 
um, for no one to hold the phone, to be honest, because mm-hmm. that's all Marky seemed to do in game. It was just hold the phone to his ear. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure he would have been on the end of a few blistering Clarkson tirades yeah. over the years. But uh, it does beg the question. Uh, well, two. I have two questions, to be honest. One, has Clarkson got in his ear and said, come to North Melbourne? You know, which probably makes sense because he got into Hawthorne originally. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, Hawthorne are pretty pretty short of Ruckman, so maybe they're uh, doing a stewy due from 2007-8 and getting Monkey to lose 25 kilos and uh, no, pull on the get, boots again. They're getting him in the gym to get him to make a comeback. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Stranger things have happened. Well, no, they That's haven't. I, I, I think, um, <laughs> yes, the, the first option is the more likely. Otherwise, you know, he might have other business interests. Who knows? Well, he is a he has, has had his own business for a long time as yeah. a plumber, I think it is, or yeah. builder, one of the two out in the Yarra Valley. Uh, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, he's been a great asset to Hawthorne over throughout that very successful period. Yeah. So sad to see him go, but uh, time waits for no man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we might move on from list management and trade rumors uh, for this episode. I'm sure there's plenty to discuss over the coming weeks. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Essendon Football Club and the uh, coaching saga and the shambles that is there. It, it looks like we finally have someone that is interested in the role, um, given that um, uh, it was probably Tom Brown, let's face it, was talking about how Cameron <laughs> wanted to come to Essendon and then Cameron came out and said, no, I don't actually want to come to Essendon. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to make that a big deal when it wasn't really a big deal because, um, you know, he he was always going to stay in Sydney for family reasons and um, signed up with the role with the the Swans Academy. But um, Adam Uze has uh, on put it on the public record that he is interested in going through the process and will be applying. So I think um, that's exciting times for the football club there. And uh, given his track record as an assistant coach, I, I do hope his PowerPoint presentation goes well. And that um, uh, look, he'd, he'd certainly be um, one that's at the top of my list to get the role there. I think he'd be great. Oh. And um, uh, hopefully they um, give him the chance to prove himself at the top level, but also, that he actually has a board behind him that supports him. So we don't end up um, with another saga in a couple of years where, you know, after six months of bad play, suddenly some of the old boys networks get in the ears of the board and we end up with a coach being sacked again. Yeah. I think, um, I think you could do a lot worse. Mm. You know, he's been a assistant coach at Hawthorne for a long time back at Melbourne. uh, And, you know, so been through two successful eras as a coach Mm. knows what it takes to get a team up and and back. And, you know, it was, from all reports, inches away from the Adelaide job when Matthew Nix was given the role yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, it was uh, high in the reckoning for the GWS job that went to mm. Adam Kingsley. So, um, you know, I think uh, he's been knocking on the door for a while now. Yeah. I, think, I don't think he could ask for a better CV from someone who hasn't actually coached an AFL team. No, exactly. Uh, although he did coach Melbourne to one victory this year when Goodwin was out with COVID. So yeah. there's your experience. I don't see what what more you could ask for? Oh, uh, it's one Blake, Blake, Blake Carousella has uh, one game as a senior coach too for one win, but no one seems to be talking about him getting the role as the uh, uh, well, that's true, head coach. I mean, but yeah. Like we said last week, does, yeah, he's been happy as the assistant for a long time. Mm. Does he actually ever, does he actually yeah. want the job? So yeah, exactly. Um, mm. Yeah. But uh, interestingly, there's not too many other candidates that seem to be putting their hands up as well. So it might be Uzo's by default. Uh, but having said that, like I yeah. said, I think, um, yeah, you could do a lot worse um, if you read some of the uh, reports from 
players who've been around him and under him and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, they, they uh, yeah. rate him highly. Uh, it's true. Um, uh, you know, everyone talks about Heard, but uh, even a recent, um, you know, recent podcast, uh, the Howie Games, uh, where he was interviewed. He was interviewed pre-Rutten being sacked, mm. obviously. So his views may have changed slightly. Um, you could sort of tell from that interview that he has a passion for the game still. It's almost unrivaled and a passion for um, working with players, but also it seemed to me from the way he was talking that he didn't necessarily want to have that pressure on his family. It almost sounded to me like he'd reconciled everything that happened and um, got the support he needed to when he had his stay in hospital and um, obviously getting a support network around him, but he didn't necessarily um, think like he hadn't necessarily discussed it fully with his family and perhaps if they weren't as supportive he was definitely not going to go through the process so it'd be interesting to see what happens there as well oh yeah and the fact that uh you know the herald sun have reported in the last week that yeah his wife was caught up in a in a scam by mm. some builder who's reportedly charged people well over the odds for a simple yeah. piece of work yeah like yeah who gives a crap it's about, it's about that sort of uh ancillary stuff that's not even yeah. related just not even yeah. reportable apart from the fact that it's Tanya Heard. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, the crook would have been reported, but none of the victims would have been named if it wasn't for nah. the fact that she was James Heard's wife. Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, that, so yeah. evidently that already tells you that uh, if he was to stick his hat in the ring at Essendon or probably at another club, yeah. then the circus just starts again. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And rightly or wrongly, like I, I think there's a level of unfairness to that. Yes, perhaps he should have um, been, and he's admitted himself, perhaps he should have been more on top of what was going on around him. But um, I think there's also um, potentially more people should be accepting of the fact that he was thrown into a role without that assistant coach experience. So he mm. didn't necessarily know any better. And um, we've all trusted people in the past that have screwed us over. Um well, I mean, I have. I've been involved in politics for a long time, so I've trusted a lot of people that have um, screwed me over. It happens. Yeah. Um, Did I tell you what my wife uh, said about you the other day? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yes. Um, uh, well, no. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of mutually assured destruction there. Uh, we've, we've spoken about a lot of things. So I'm sure that'll be fine there. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I, uh, but like people aren't forgiving in football, and I just don't. It, it's sad, but I think. Um, his time as a head coach is potentially over. Um, given he's also 50, even spending a significant amount of time as an assistant coach, by the time yeah. he probably does enough time there for people to finally forgive him, he's going to be considered too old anyway. So I think if wow. he wants to get back in the game, it's got to be in an administrative role, like a club CEO or a football director or something like that. And that's potentially his yeah. way back in if he does want to seriously get involved. You're probably right. Uh, Chris Fagan being the exception. Yeah, mm. and yeah, and you know, potentially if uh, Brisbane uh, didn't get through this final, or you know, this far into the final series, would he be looking for a new job too? Who knows? Mm. But uh, yeah. So. Well, I mean, it, it's there's a lot to play out there, and the, he may put his hat in the ring. And at the end of the day, if um, if if he wins the job and he gives the best presentation, given that they've at least put in place a coaching panel. Uh, well, a coaching recruitment panel that is completely different to just club people. I, mm. I would have more confidence there. And I would hope that um, external people had more confidence there that they've at least accepted that he uh, 
has learned from his mistakes and has put in place a system that would ensure that wouldn't happen again. And you've got to remember that, um, yes, his last season wasn't exactly glorious, but given that everything that was, that was happening, it was understandable. But yeah. before they got booted out of the finals, um, the club was sitting 14 and four and um, mm. going to easily make the finals. So he is a guy that can coach. Um, oh, yeah, it was proven there. That, yeah. um, it's just um, whether he's going to be given the opportunity to prove himself again or not by external people is um, yeah. debatable. And whether that pressure is something that you need to put on the players is probably what's going to count against him. Yeah, and I saw an article the other day. Uh, it was like bagging out the uh, process that is put in place in terms of um, the very disparate uh, nature of the people who have um, been appointed to that task mm. force. Uh, but one thing you can be assured of with Robert Walls and Jordan Lewis, I can't yeah. speak for the others on the panel, but um, they will completely and clinically give their opinion with no emotion yeah. whatsoever. There'll be no baggage attached to it. There'll be no, yeah. you know, it'll just be purely, this is our recommendation for these things. Mm. There'll be no, um, uh, you know, if he is the best and he gets through those two and they say, yep, he is what we think will be the best, mm. then he will rightfully win the job because they will not worry about how um, any sacrilege or anything like that, you yeah. know, the, the herd name, nothing. It'll just be oh, yeah. For them, clinical it, and unimaginable. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there are club people involved, but they're club people that are involved in, um, you know, HR, so people mm. and culture. And that I think that's important as well given yeah. that there has been a cultural problem at Essendon, I think it's important that people have expertise in that area, yeah. look at the new coach coming in and think, okay, are they going to be able to manage people and yeah. deal with this? And I think you're right. I yeah. think um, Jordan Lewis, having gone through the successful period at Hawthorne, knows what a coach needs to do to, to deliver that success. Yeah. And Robert Walls is close to the president, but also I don't think he's a guy that's going to be fearful of telling the president um, what, he, what thinks. he thinks. Yeah. And also, given that him and Kevin Sheedy don't necessarily get along, still accepting that role, you've got to have a lot of respect for because he's obviously passionate about football. And even if he hates the Essendon Football Club, he, he wants to still see them as successful because it's good for the competition. Yeah, that's right. And that's what I love about football people is there. Hmm. And Eddie Maguire also fits the bill. He recognises the fact that uh, Essendon, you know, all teams being strong, ultimately is good for the Collingwood Football Club. Yeah. Because that means bigger crowds, more mm. people watching on TV, all the rest of it. Um, and I'm sure Kevin Sheedy will be the same. However, yeah. it does lead me to question Kevin Sheedy's role on the board, given him and Robert Walls do not see eye to eye much. Um, oh, look, I, I think, you know, the, the, I, I have no issue with them not seeing eye to eye. I think that they can mm. be professional about that part. And, you know, I love Kevin Sheedy and I love what he's done for the game. You know, he was the coach of the teams that I got to see win grand finals. He was the coach in 2000. He was the coach in 93. He was the coach in 1990. Obviously that wasn't quite the result I was looking for. Um, But, you know, he's been the coach of the successful Essendon team that I have seen in my lifetime. So I've got a lot of respect for that. Mm. I've got a lot of respect for what he's done for the game from a marketing perspective with things like Dreamtime, with things like the Anzac Day game, even going up to GWS as their first coach and perhaps putting a better foundation in for them initially yes um gold coast has caught up in recent times and stuart you done a great job there but you would have said that um gws was certainly ahead of the pack in terms oh, of how those yeah. two expansion absolutely. clubs grew and i think you've got to give him a lot of respect for that um but 
I, I guess my concern is um, having an understanding of boards and governance um, and even just using, again, the example of him going on radio and talking about Clarkson um, going to North Melbourne and then taking North Melbourne down to Tasmania. Like, that's not something that a board member of a football club should be saying. It's not... Um, for, for a couple of reasons. One, the president was talking to the guy about coming to coaching your own football club. Yeah. And two, board members are supposed to be seen and not heard. Like, yes, you can um, have a profile, but you're not supposed to be doing those media interviews in the same way. If there is a spokesperson for the board, it is the president and the president talking on behalf of the club. Correct. Hmm. Agree 100%. Time to move him on. Look, um, <laughs> I would like to let him go on his own terms, but I would hope that um, for the betterment of the football club, that he adds himself to the list of people that perhaps don't recontest and allow a new era of the Essendon Football Club to move forward um, and uh, give, the, give the club the opportunity to flourish again. It's been two decades in it and we can't keep living in the past. Uh, correct. You can to... respect him as a legend of the game and a legend of the club and... Um, invite him to all the functions and get him along as um, spokesperson wherever and seek his advice when you need to. But I think the board needs to move on without him. 100% agree. Hmm? And right. I'll be putting my nomination in, <laughs> in his stead. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I quite have that same history, but well, you know, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, look, it could do work. I mean, hmm. I assume Essendon will do what Hawthorne didn't basically tell anyone else who's nominating to F off. Hmm. Otherwise, he'll cause us a costly, a costly uh, uh, election at the AGM, and we just don't want to go yep. through that process because you haven't been handpicked by Jeff. Mm. So, yeah, I have had that phone call before from the Mooney Valley Racing Club, not the Essendon <laughs> Football Club, where I um, requested a nomination pack. I was never actually going to run, but I just wanted mm. to see what they um what, what the process was. And yeah. um, yes, I got a call from the. Um, CEO of the um, racing club to tell me that, um, to just remind me how expensive um, AGMs were and how expensive sending out ballot packs to all the members were. Mm. So um, it is amusing and they definitely do do that. I have oh, that from personal experience. Yes. And what was your response? Did you say, well, if you run the club a bit better, maybe I wouldn't be thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was something along those lines. Yes. I said, you know, I'm, a, a, and you know, reminded him that I've been a passionate member for over 20 years at the time. And, um, mm. And I paid his salary and a few other <laughs> choice things along those lines. Mm. Yes. Well, yeah. I assume you're still waiting for the pack. Oh, uh, no. I, he, they, no, they sent out the pack oh, um, because they sent it out via email, but I, yeah. I didn't put in my nomination given that I never actually had any real intention of putting it in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm. Yes. Uh, we're going to have a different night on the Monday of grand final week. I know, it'll be, it'll be all pomp and ceremony and uh, horse and cart um, mm-hmm. down the streets of London. Yeah, to, yes. To, um, to, the, to the Abbey, no doubt. Yes, obviously, um, Valet to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, having recently passed away. But yes, yeah, so um, I would like to point out that both of our backgrounds are, are black in, uh, in uh, mm-hmm. recognition and respect of uh, Lily Bet. Mm-hmm. So. I do love the Queen. Was always good value. Yes, yes. I, it's a, it was a sad day. I, you know, I'm not a huge royalist, but uh, I do love the fact that uh, she held held such a position, but still could have a sense of humour about things, oh, including absolutely. posing for a selfie, uh, 
uh, photo bombing a couple of Australian Olympians at yep. the Olympic Games. Yeah, that, that, possibly that was, one of the best things. That was a highlight of um, that I, I, I remember of her. Yes, but also yeah. for me as a horse racing fan, um, mm. the fact that she loved her horses and some footage of her getting excited about her own horses winning that that's something that I will always remember as well. Um, yeah, and I think you know it makes sense given that um, you know even with a significant number of Australians supporting a Republic. I think um, Queen oh, Elizabeth yeah. has um, had a soft spot in um, a lot of people's hearts. And, uh, you know, it would just be no, there would be no audience for the night of nights of the <laughs> AFL um, 100%. if they tried to run it on the same time as um, yeah. that. And, you know, I think channel seven would just tell them to bugger it anyway. They like, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't screen it. They're going to get no. more people watching um, the, the funeral, then the funeral procession. Yeah. than they are the, um, Brownlow count, so oh, absolutely, it'd be on yeah. seven mates, and it'd be squeezed in from nine thirty to ten forty-five or something yeah. like that. And uh, as Gillen will announce, it'll be a fully constituted meeting of the board. Yep, with all board members present, mm. and they would be the only ones present. Yes, <laughs> yeah, like, and if, you know, if you, there might be twenty or thirty players in the room that are most mm. think the most obvious chances of winning, but it's yeah, yeah, I think uh, yeah. Mm. proper protocols observed and um, mm. it's the only thing that could do really. Because as you say, Channel 7 would have said, well, yeah. <laughs> good luck. Mm. So, yeah, it's going to be the biggest TV night of the year, whether you like it or not. So, Yeah, and it just won't be Brownlow night, unfortunately. But, you know, I think, um, you know, Sunday night's not necessarily the worst night to do it. Um, it's no it's no worse than a Monday night, given how long they drag it out for and how late we're all mm. going to be up anyway. So I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference. And no, and I it's think, the middle uh, of the school holiday. So, you know, mm. kids want to stay up and watch it anyway. It doesn't matter whether it's a Sunday or Monday either. Correct. And I think, uh, you know, for the players who finish up on Saturday night, uh, it just means they keep themselves playing for 24 hours and then they can really hit it hard. Exactly. Rather, rather than hitting it hard for 36 hours and then trying to get clean. <laughs> they try to clean <laughs> up themselves for um, Monday night, yeah. Exactly. So, um mm. Yeah, maybe they can, yeah, it would be different, but uh, it was the right call. Yeah. Uh, before we get on to um, some of the games, let's um, – is Jared Berry going to be able to play next weekend or not? Oh, look, there's two schools of thought, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, personally, I think the AFL and other codes have been very strong in that any – uh, fingers deliberately around the eyes or mouth or anything like that is completely mm. outlawed, complete no-no. Uh, appreciate there's probably extenuating circumstances in his case and potentially he may have felt that was all he could do to get Clayton Oliver from resting his elbow lightly on his windpipe. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, we all know that that, uh, that kind of action is absolute no-go zone. So. Yep. Yeah, and look, I think that's the argument they're going to go with is sort of extenuating circumstances and he had he felt like, it, like you know, it was an, mm. sort of an automatic re- reaction and he couldn't necessarily control himself just to because he couldn't breathe. But um, yeah, I think he's going to struggle. I think, uh, yes, the one week will stand. Mm. Yeah, uh, which would be, it's a pity because he was a player who could definitely, um, after, after what he showed on in the second yeah. half of Friday night, uh, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a big re- he's a big reason that they um won at the end of the day given yeah. that um you know, he was very quiet in the first half i think he only had sort of 
four or five possessions. Might have been a couple more, but um, he mm. absolutely smashed it out of the park in the um, second half with 21 possessions and keeping um, Oliver quiet. So yeah, it's a big yeah. reason they did turn the game around. But yeah, um, yeah, I think he's going to struggle. Yeah, especially because I, I, I wonder too. Like, So everyone saw the footage of Clayton Oliver last week with the gash on his face having to come off a couple of times and the massive shiner. Mm. Um, yeah, players are not stupid. They watch that stuff. They know what's going on. Um, whether, you know, but, oh, you know, I know he's got a cut somewhere around there. If I can open it up, he might have to go off the ground. Yeah, that, I, it, it, he will never admit to thinking that, and I'm only putting words in his mouth, so to speak, but mm. uh, that's got to be a consideration. Yeah. So, uh, because I'm pretty sure that it would be the first time he's had uh, an opposition midfielder lying on top of him in a forceful manner. Um, you know, uh, and being as strong as AFL players are, they should be able to fight their way out of that without yeah. going for the face. So, mm. yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what the tribunal has to say, and um, we'll probably know. Yeah, probably know on Thursday night because it'll yeah. be uh, appeal. The AFL will appeal the appeal. Then the it'll open the involved. Supreme Court. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly right. So. Um, yeah, some late breaking news that we didn't discuss pre-recording. Uh, I've mm. just got Facebook open here and it's just flashed up. Um, Britain, Joel uh, Selwood are expecting. Um, baby Selwood is uh, due soon. So congratulations to both of them on um, the future birth of um, a little baby Selwood. And, you know, it could be a father-son or a father-daughter future player for the mm. um for Geelong, so um, it'd be ex- exciting for them as a family, and well done to them. Didn't realise we were going into these tabloid type matters in this. <laughs> well, we've talked about Her Majesty the Queen, so um, <laughs> who knows? But um, I didn't, I didn't want to touch on it much further than that. But I just wanted uh, to pass on my congratulations to them, and then correct. I wanted to um, ask you how the um, AFL women's team did at Hawthorne this weekend. Poorly. Uh, would you like to give a match review at all or are you just <laughs> going to leave it there and I can talk about how good Essendon is? Well, we'll give a brief review. I saw the second half of the game. I took my son to play mini golf this afternoon. And it's fair to say there's a lot of left to be desired in the etiquette of mini golf when mm-hmm. groups ahead of you take an effing long time to get through. <laughs> <laughs> so They, don't, they uh, don't let you play through if they're running slow? There was no thoughts of inviting us to play through. So much so that George and I played I reckon well, we played two lots of 18 and we would have played 75 to 80 holes because we played three or four times whilst we were waiting for the right. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it was better than watching the Hawks girls play. Unfortunately, they got smashed by Richmond at Punt Road today. Um, again, and bad luck again for the team. We had a concussion early. Uh, which meant that one of our players was subbed out and then another player injured for the remainder of the game, you know, in the second quarter again, I believe, um, which is the second week in a row we've been down uh, a player um, on the bench in the second quarter. Um, and also one of the girls was um, uh, come up injured in the warm-up. So uh, a fourth debutante uh, was brought into the team along with the three others who were announced uh, during the week. So, uh, you're always going to battle in those situations uh, when that happens. Um, and there's no doubt the girls on the field were having a crack. They were giving it mm. 100%. Um, but Richmond were just too good, um, particularly in the wet weather. Um, Monique 
Conti, I think it is, absolutely dominated. Yeah. 23 touches, three goals. Looked as clean as clean in in poor conditions um, and clearly was a class above uh, the Hawthorne girls uh, this week. So, um, you know, the girls went down. Uh, I think they kicked two points after quarter time, which just shows you how much Richmond yeah. dominated. So uh, I think the end margin was only about six goals, but um, the uh, the main part of it, though, was they were they were never in the game after halftime. Yeah. And um, it was the same last week against the, Saint, against the Saints. They got jumped early. I think part of that was the injury to uh, Tamara Luke, who did a knee at the opening bounce. Um, so there's been a bit of bad luck for the Hawthorne girls in the first, or well, two of the first three weeks. They played pretty well against the Bombers, I thought, in the first game at, mm-hmm. at Marvel. Uh, certainly showed signs that um, there's a lot of promise there. Um, so now I think the rest of the season is going to be about uh, just blooding the youngsters and... Um, you know, hopefully get a win or two as the season drags on, but I don't think we'll be seeing finals action, unfortunately. Um, and we'll be all building blocks for um, uh, 2023. So yeah. uh, going to be a tough year for the girls, I think, but um, you know, a lot of experience to come out of it. I also think we're talking about it with uh, Flick, my wife tonight. Hawthorne uh, perhaps need to go a bit easy on the social media uh, for the girls and now just concentrate on just playing games of footy. Yeah. Um, there's a fair bit of fanfare and things like that, which is great. Uh, and obviously appreciate you need to build up the support and get everybody on board. Uh, but you've got to be winning to really make it work. Yeah, when you're getting yeah. flogged every week, it comes up a bit hollow. So maybe time yeah. to ease off on that a bit and um, you know, pump up the great performances in the games, but let's not worry about uh, um, the outside stuff during the week and, and just focus on the games. I think is mm. the way to go. But uh, look, as I said, there is no doubt the girls are having an absolute crack out there. They're just perhaps uh, down a bit of bit of class at the moment and some experienced players. So um, we shall wait and see uh, what happens uh, next week. Um, but uh, yeah, this week, Richmond, too good, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, Richmond will be looking forward to taking on the Bombers in Dreamtime next week, I believe. Yep, we do take on the um, Tigers next week. It, um, yeah, um, they're playing it at, um, down at... Uh, Port Melbourne again, so I guess they're expecting a bigger crowd than they perhaps um, would be able to get into Windy Hill or out at Tullamarine. So I guess that's a yeah. good thing in terms of ma- managing expectations there. But um, you know, I think given how Essendon's playing, that's probably a good thing as well. Given that they've had another, um, well, a big win today. It's um, very. It was a very exciting game of football. It was probably over at quarter time. Well, you how, how, how can you call that exciting? Oh, look, it was. I mean, it's exciting watching a new team come together and the um, the way they put things together. And it's it's early on. You know, if they keep if they keep being one sided, maybe it won't be exciting. But given what happened last week, I don't think it will. I, I think um, it's it's a, it's a, the nature of the competition at the moment. It there, it will be a little one sided for time, given that we only have ten rounds for eighteen teams, and also. Mm-hmm. Um, the draft is not quite as balanced given that you had some players being able to nominate which state they wanted to be drafted into and things like that. But um, it's, it, it, I mean, I, I guess the exciting part is more seeing some of the young players come through that um, have shown that they are going to be superstars of this league going forward. Um, you know, first year Ruckman, um, the first year, <coughs> excuse me, the first year Ruckman, Stephanie Wales um, kicked three goals. So she, you know, she's, um, she hasn't necessarily had the most hit outs in the ruck. She got, she did get outplayed 
at ruck contests um, by her opponent, but she's um, been able to move down forward and dominate around the ground, which is a bigger impact on the game and kick three goals. So I think that's exciting. Had a whale of a game. She did have a whale of a game, um, and that 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 sort of stuff's exciting to see. Um, yeah, and um, it's, it's exciting for the future of the club. Um, the fact that um, Bonnie Toogood, you know, one of their star recruits, didn't kick a goal is also a good thing, given the fact that they won by um, fifty-two points. Uh, you know, she was still dominant up forward and still presented, but there were enough people scoring around her that they didn't rely on her scoring goals. It was. Um, Paige Scott, um, she, you know, she's already had a rising star nominee. I, I kind of wished they'd be able to give her two rising star nominees because she was um, huge today as well. A massive presence around the ground and also kicking three goals. Um, uh, you know, another one to come over from Carlton to us with two good um, Maddie Prasparkas again, you know, three Dominant. games. She's all, um, she's all had another uh, game with over 20 possessions, which given the fact that, you know, they're only 15 minute quarters is actually, the equivalent of a 30 possession game in the AFL men's. Um, yep. So she's done that and she's kicked two goals as well. Should have kicked three. She missed one that she probably should have kicked. Um, yeah. And I, just, sorry, just mm. carry on. We'll no, no it's all right. Next, yeah. No, we'll yeah. talk about next week. Next week. Yeah. It, look, uh, that was just sort of, um, you know, I, I could go into detail and um, go into um, you know, more, but it was just exciting to watch. It was a good game to see them coming together um, yeah, the the Eagles did show some flashes of brilliance there and some moments where they were back in the competition. I mean, um, um, they they but overall across all the four quarters, um, you know, Essendon just um, they won each of the quarter. Well, they actually, yeah, no, they did win each of the quarters. So they just um, they were just dominant, and you know, it, it it shows that the recruiting staff at Essendon have put together a good list. But I guess we don't really know where Essendon stands until later on in the year, given that, um, you know, again, the AFL is attacking the Bombers and um, trying to ensure they don't have any chance of success, given that we do have to, in a 10-round season, we do have to um, play the three teams that are top three currently. Um, We we still have to face Brisbane, Collingwood and Melbourne going forward. Um, We have to play Brisbane in Brisbane and... um, you know, they've had a huge season so far. They've won all their games easily. Um they've yeah, currently got a percentage of yeah, they currently got a percentage of four hundred and one. <laughs> their points for are two hundred and twenty-five and their points against are fifty-six. So that yeah. that'll be probably the big test for the bombers to see where they really sit with this list. Um there. Um, you know, Collingwood's in second place and you know Hamish, if you want to be the best. Beat you got to beat the best, absolutely. Um, I would be embracing it. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to. Um, um, unfortunately, I'll be in um, on the Gold Coast this weekend, so I won't be able to get down to Port Melbourne to watch them take on the Tigers. But I'll um, try and sneak away from the conference that I'm at and find a um, a quiet spot to either watch it streaming on my phone or um, on the television if I can. I um, so we'll do what we can there. But um, yeah. things are looking yeah. good for the Bombers. Yeah, well, I think. Yeah. I saw most of today's game and uh, the game against Carlton last week. And yeah, you guys are looking really good. So mm. um, props to you. But uh, I find it odd. The dream time at the G and we know how spectacular it is when the men's teams play Saturday night at the G is massive crowd. I find it odd that it's at 2.10 PM mm. on Sunday afternoon. Um, so the dream time game, I'm not sure how spectacular it's going to be, but uh, yeah. yeah, very odd. But anyway, um, so you can see how they, uh, 
sort of. I suppose at it. least it's got clear air, given that the two yeah. men's finals are yeah. Friday night and Saturday twilight. So at least it's oh, clear absolutely. Air to, I, yeah. I know that they can't. It's hard to schedule these things with, uh, you know, the mm. the men's finals going on. Obviously, you've got to sort of earmark Indigenous rounds to, you know, get things through. But um, yeah, I just found it strange uh, that that was the case. And yet, a game like uh, the Derby in Perth the week after is a 7 p.m. start yeah. at Optus Stadium in WA. So, um, you know, it's little quirks like that. So um, for some reason, I didn't have Hawthorne's game in our uh, in my diary, but uh, we've got the Bulldogs next Saturday afternoon. So Bulldogs are sitting fourth, I believe. Yeah. So another tough challenge for the girls. Uh, the week after that, we're playing away game against the Swans at Punt Road. An away uh, game against the Swans at Punt Road, okay. Yeah, yeah, on grand final eve. So yeah. maybe the AFL have already got Sydney penciled in for the GF and uh, want the whole club. I want in the whole there. club down here and <laughs> think that, yep. Mm. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I saw that uh, when I was um, uh, looking at the fixture <laughs> a few weeks ago. I thought, oh, grand final eve at Punt Road. Oh, we're playing the Swans. Wow, that's odd. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway, maybe it's the yeah. South Melbourne thing. Who knows? But, Who uh, knows? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that is the audience they're trying to tap into. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah. given it's uh, day two of a four-day weekend, that weekend I might uh, get along. Yeah. So, mm. so yes. Uh, let's let's talk about the men's finals that have just um, gone. Let's. Mm. We'll start with uh, Friday night, the D's and the Lions. I've got to admit, I thought the D's had it in the bag at quarter time. Oh, absolutely. I thought uh, even halftime, 22 points yeah. or 28 points. And then um, Brisbane got that very, very late goal. Um, but I actually thought as the game wore on and even coming into halftime, uh, Melbourne looked like a team who knew that they should win and were afraid of losing. Mm-hmm. Like they could see they knew they were expected to get to at least the prelim and possibly the grand final again um, and just were afraid of the result. Uh, and didn't let, didn't play, didn't allow the process to take care of the results, so to speak. Um, and that was more and more evident as the game went on. And full credit for Brisbane uh, coming back like they did. Um, and uh, yeah, Melbourne just um, capitulated. Really, it was they almost did. like the, the weight of expectations was too much. And and you could see some of their players um, just didn't put a hundred percent effort in. I don't think. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, and we see it every, or not every year, but you know, sometimes when the favoured team in the prelim final really, really battles to get through, and nine times out of ten they do get through because they're just that bit better than the team that's giving them the issues. Um, yeah, but Melbourne really, really coughed it up. Yep, they they did, and um, what what I, I what I guess I found most interesting um, from this game is. Uh, they, I think Brisbane almost lined up better and um, without Joe Danaher playing. And you know, don't get me wrong, I think it was the right choice for him to be there um, with his partner for the birth of his child. That's absolutely the decision I would have um, um, picked too. You know, he only just made it home, but he made it there in time. Yeah, yeah he yeah. made it in time, but I, that, that's absolutely the decision I would have um, made as well. But I think that was almost a blessing given that um, they would – Normally, um, you know, May and Lever, um, those sort of intercept marks and interceptions mm. um, um, would have been easier for them to do that with another key forward like Joe out there. But it's almost like um, 
when they only sort of had Hipwood and Cameron as their main forward targets, it was a different um, it was a different sort of layout, and it worked. It obviously worked for them in that second half. It also helped that Berry stopped uh, Oliver, and that made um, life easier for them as well. But um, you know, a couple of other big things for me were um, Daniel Rich playing like a player ten years younger than he is. He was a superstar, mm. and um, yeah. Lockie yep. Neal rubber stamping his chance of winning another. I know, I know it's the finals and obviously there's no votes in there, but rubber stamping why he's probably close to a Brownlow favorite as well for this season. Um, given that he's yeah. had another great game as well. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of credit has to go to Eric Hipwood actually, because yeah, perennially he's been a low possession uh, key forward mm. uh, even before his knee injury. Um, you know, it kicked a couple of goals every week and that's all fine, but it was never, you know, the classic centre forward of yeah. 20, 20 possessions and 10 marks and, and three or four goals. He's always yeah. been a six to 10 possession operator, uh, but he dominated the third quarter. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was, it was really great to see that. Yeah. Um, and as you say, Barry obliterated Oliver. Um, I think, um, you know, Clayton Oliver had nine possessions in the second half, eight of them contested, which probably meant they're not going far yeah. and not much drive out of them. Um, you know, one thing that, Stood out to me um, with a couple of Melbourne boys, Todd, uh, Jack Viney in particular, get a right foot, son. Yeah. You know, a number of times players caught on the wrong foot and not being able to go uh, back the other way um, because they, they just don't do it. I, can't, I, can't, I still can't believe it that AFL players get away with that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it is to me just absolute ridiculous and laziness that you do not train to kick on both sides of your body. Um, and it showed. Um, and uh, as I said, Melbourne really coughed it up. They uh, they should have done a lot better. And, and like I said earlier, I cannot believe that Tom McDonald was not selected to play, given that he is the one who's held that forward line together uh, when they were playing really well uh, last year and this year before his injury. And, um, you know, there's an argument to say that uh, he went down in round 11. That's when Melbourne had their first loss. And that's when all the woes have started because they've been six and eight since then. It's all been downhill since then. I mean, and it's not all down to him, of course, but um, mm. there's a fair reason that he straightened them up a fair bit uh, and gave some of the other forwards the freedom to roam around. Uh, yeah, whereas, as you said before, the Bailey Fritches of the world have got that second or, or best defender on them now rather than Tom McDonald taking that pressure away. And, you know, unfortunately, Ben Brown's been largely ineffective as well. So probably because of that reason. Mm. Um, before we look at the other game, I, I just did want to pay... Um... I did want to mention um, Christian Petrarca, I think, you know, with a massive corky and a broken leg yeah. to still get 27 possessions and have the impact on the game that he did um, was amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. I think, no doubt. but I also think, you know, it was, there were times where you could tell that he was hampered and, uh, and um, I think that may have had an impact as well. Having said that, I don't think there was anyone on their list that they could have replaced him with that would have played as well as he did with uh, yeah. a broken leg. So it's like, well, I, what were they supposed to do? I still think he was their best player. <laughs> yeah. Oh, close life. to Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and um, him and uh, Harry Petty, probably. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you can see the bruising at the bottom of his hamstring. Uh, and all the rest of it, yeah, it was an amazing effort. Um, but it did strike me, like, memories of Nat Fife trying to do the same thing in, I think it was a 2015 prelim against yeah. us. And you could just tell he was not the player that uh, mm. Nat Fife would normally be. And there were periods, as you say, where you could tell Petrarca was, was really hurting. But it does show a fair bit of uh, mental fortitude to get through it. Yeah. And 
last night. The um, Pies kept their run going, unfortunately. Yeah, I think uh, they were looking to try and create a close game out of nowhere because I think they had one goal nine at one stage mm. in the second and third quarters uh, and just kept Fremantle uh, with a bit of hope. Uh, but seriously, Collingwood smashed them and probably mm. should have. It should have been one of those typical second week of finals, 60 to 70 point droppings. Oh, absolutely. The um, the closeness of the result does not reflect um, how yeah. much they should have won by, given that they went from four goals zero to eight goals 12 in the period. And yeah. um, Fremantle went from zero one to four four. They should have. They should have blown them away completely by three quarter time. It shouldn't. It should have been a sixty point margin, not a twenty point margin. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And I mean, Collingwood looked great. Obviously, the only area was the goal kicking. Um, yeah. So uh, it's going to be a stiff test against the Swans this week, particularly mm-hmm. at the SCG. Um, I almost think Collingwood would be better suited if it was played out at um, Homebush. Yeah. Uh, with a bit more space, but uh, you know, Sydney gave them a touch up uh, three or four weeks ago at the SCG. Yeah. Uh, to bring that winning run to an end, so it'll be interesting to see how well the Pies have taken the lessons for that from that and can apply some new tactics for it. Yeah. Uh, but equally, and you know, obviously, there's always question marks these days against the team who win the qualifying finals and have a, a second week off, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if Collingwood start like they did and Cindy are, are a bit off, a bit rusty. Could be in for another nail. They could put they could put the pressure on early. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and uh, there's a stat going around that uh, I think Collingwood have made the grand final every time the reigning monarch has passed away since the AFL VFL. They have. They haven't won all of them, but that's no. true. They have made the grand final in every year that yeah. the AFL VFL VFL AFL has existed Correct. in the time that we have had a change of monarch. So, um, yeah. let's hope they don't keep up that tradition. <laughs> Well, yeah, and the last time in 52, I believe they lost to the Cats. So mm. perhaps there's hope yet. That's true. Oh, yeah. look, um, you know, as as much as I um, jest about that, a Geelong Collingwood grand final at the MCG would be absolutely massive. Um, oh, that'd be pumping, wouldn't it? Around, even just the pubs around Melbourne, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. People people would pay attention to that game. It would be a great game to watch. And um, yeah. We'd all hope Geelong won by 10 goals, but, you know, it would still I mean, be a great that, game to watch. Well, they've had two ripping games throughout the year. Yeah, against, yeah I think Cats have won both by a mm. total of 13 points. So, yeah, uh, yeah uh, mm. it could be an absolute classic. The, um, yeah. yeah, and I think uh, there'd be a fair bit of irony if it was a, an interstate grand, all interstate grand final. Given the they've been, been interstate the last couple of years. And then yeah, suddenly with the it's, game. Yeah. Hmm. The game being back at the MCG after two years and yeah. Melbourneians crying out for Victorian representation after the COVID times that we've had. But uh, that, Which is yeah. um, entirely possible too. It could be. Who knows? Absolutely. So part of me yeah. wants Brisbane to win. I'd love for my yeah. elder mate, uh, the big O, to uh, yeah. run out on the GM grand final day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure that they will, of course. Yeah. Uh, and second to that, I'd probably want to see Buddy over Collingwood anytime. Yeah. So. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did just want to um, pay special acknowledgement to my favorite non Essendon player in Jack Ginevan. Um, <laughs> he being, um, you know, supporting his family and uh, heading up the highway the night before his own, like the biggest game of his career to support his sister and watching her in um, her grand final. It just shows how passionate he is about football and passionate he is about his family. And I thought that was good to see. 
I just love the fact that Collingwood had no issue with him doing that. Like, mm. Because a lot of clubs would say, oh, no, no, the, the two hours there. And oh, back you can't in spend the car. two hours in the car there and yeah, back. You know, exactly. there's too much danger of driving and sitting yeah. still for too long. Absolutely. Yeah, you should right. be asleep. We've, yeah. um, our sports scientists have said you have to go to sleep at this time and you can't yeah. possibly be doing that. Yeah. Correct. I, and, yeah, oh, you're going to be standing around at the game and blah, blah, blah. You know, so yeah. I think it's brilliant. Um, yeah. Because, and, yeah, we say potentially North Melbourne could have taken the leaf out of the book and said, well, to Horn Francis, well, sure, go home. We're not playing on Mother's Day. So yeah. go home, have a couple of days, and enjoy yourself and yeah. come back ready to go next week. Yeah, I look, um, I think Clarkson at um, North it will, it will sort him out when he sees it's a little bit more professional than perhaps it has been. But yes, oh, yeah. mm. I, I, I think I mentioned this before. I do wonder the likes of Zebel and Goldstein uh, when the uh, team meetings start under Clarkson and they go, holy fuck, this is terminology we haven't been hearing before. Well, this is yeah. stuff we haven't seen for two and a half years. Where have we, what have we been doing? It's been such yeah. a waste. Mm. So, you know, um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to get their insights post-career on when they're uh, at more liberty to speak, shall we yeah. say. Yeah. Um, I know it's an, I know it's an early tip for, um, this weekend, given that uh, we've got uh, a long time between now and Friday night and um, obviously Saturday afternoon, but are you prepared to make your predictions on who's going to win both of the uh, preliminary finals? Yes, I am. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Brisbane will have a lot of confidence after Friday night, but I think the Cats will get over the line. Yeah, uh, There's a reason why they've been the best team all year, and I think I'll show it again. Uh, and I'm actually going to go for the to beat the Swans, even though I'd much rather the Swans to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think the Pies uh, are riding the wave. So you, only, think we, you, think we are, the cats. you think we are going to have an all-Victorian grand final? Look, I think so. I think the Pies should take a lot out of what they saw against Sydney a few weeks ago yep. at the SCG. Mm-hmm. And, um, you yeah, know, they are riding it pretty good. I mean, they yep. pushed along to a goal. That's no disgrace there. Yep. They've beaten Melbourne twice, who, you know, at one point in time were flying. Uh, so, you know, their credentials stack up, and I think um, they give Sydney one hell of a fright. I, I agree with you with the Cats. As much as um, Brisbane played well the other night, I think the Cats are a different team, and I don't think they'll quite get the same easy ride back into the game, potentially, that they... Um, have had in last week or this last weekend just gone by. So I think the cats will get done there, but I just think the swans at the SCG, um, I don't think that's a ground that really um, suits Collingwood. I don't think that's a, um, a ground that suits someone like Cox running around the way he's been running around and um, clunking it down so that some of the small forwards have got there. So I think um, Sydney will get the job done there. And I think we'll be having a cat swans grand final the following week. Mm. And uh Gosh, I don't know who I'd go for. I'd have to go for the Swans, I think, if that was the case. Mm-hmm. So. Well, something we have to look forward to after next <laughs> weekend's results, and we can speculate um, uh, for, for many a sentence and um, you know extended edition potentially of next week's podcast as we look at all the machinations of potential results for the grand final. Yes, and uh, yeah, all good fun. Some classic preliminary finals to talk about from yesteryear, maybe. Who knows? But um... Mm. Yeah, some good games coming up. And a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting conversations to look forward to. But that has been another episode. Um, make sure if you have enjoyed it that you tell your friends and family and uh, like us 
on whatever platform you're using. Uh, if you haven't already, please also like our Facebook page at the Line in the Sand podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Good night, everyone.